I read poetry and sonnets, and he plays the upright bass. Yamakipiebo, cetera for cable, wind dog Latin, he quotes. Uge, sophisteret! Well, he bit all the he dogs and winked at all the she dogs. The town never knew such a hullabaloo as that little dog raised till the end of that day. We just have a good rhythm together, you know? It, he sort of feels me out, I feel him out. And uh, we go for it. Welcome to Bunta Vista. I am Andrew. Uh, this is episode 77. All good podcasts go to heaven? Podcast heaven? Yep. I yeah, think that, so. That's true. I've heard that. What are some podcasts that are in podcast heaven? Uh, what are podcasts that have died? Oh, uh, uh, didn't... Um, was the, the legal podcast that died recently? <laughs> the, one with, the one with the hell dude on it? Uh, not Nick Dichter. Yeah. Is it dead? Yes. I haven't even started listening to it. Yep. Uh, there was some kind of strange implosion and one of the members of the podcast got mad at the other ones, took over the Twitter account, locked everybody out. And blocked oh, hell them all. yeah. Just a great bit of, of Twitter drama. So, Who's going to do the mutiny on our podcast? Ooh. I mean, you're the only one that actually has access to the Twitter account, Andrew, so... Oh, yeah, and the Patreon. And, and just and the sound everything. cloud. Just everything. Oh, I don't geez. even know how to use the app that we use to record it. No. Yeah, well, well, one of you, one of you was going to have to come to my house and like stay with me for a, an extended period of time and be like, "Oh, hey, I just wanted to get a little insight into the production process." Yeah. I'm just going to be frankly more effort office. than any of you are willing to go to. I, I think. I'm, I think I'm far too nervous for mutiny. <laughs> too, mm. <laughs> too nervous for espionage. I'm yeah. imagining, I'm imagining <laughs> too Theo, uh, for espionage. yeah, <laughs> doing doing like a James Bond type thing, sauntering up to the bar. Uh, asking for a martini, you take a sip and immediately just sort of dribble it back into the glass. Like, mm. You accidentally breathe it's it in. Too dry. <laughs> Lean back <laughs> <in> the bar. <laughs> you reach. You reached for the. You reach for the toothpick with the olives and knock the glass over, <laughs> spilling it all over a lady's dress. Oh, I'm so. You're gonna have to do that, like um, Mr. Bean type of espionage. Where, you know, you spilled all over the lady and like, terribly but, sorry, can I take you back to your room and you can get changed? Um, all that kind of thing. Uh, ben, I don't know how good you would be at espionage. Uh, I mean, I'm just not a very motivated person. I think it's probably my biggest obstacle to being good at anything. Yeah. I was, uh, so I was talking to a guy recently who had been applying for a job at like um, ASIO which for our overseas listeners is one of our intelligence They're agencies. the fucking spooks, man. The spooks. The feds. Um, the uh, CIA or whatever. And he was telling me about the process because he, you know, he did did all kinds of programmy type stuff. And he was like, well, it's basically for one of those like hacker type roles. 
And he said, yeah, man, all the questions they ask you though, you know, I got like, I got invited to apply for this thing, but I don't know how much of the stuff I want to go through. Because how skill these questions? Like, what kind of porn do you jack it to? And Ooh. do you cheat on your wife? And all that sort of stuff. And, um, and of course, as I'm sure plenty of people are aware, the point isn't that they're interested in exactly how freaky deaky you are online. The point is that, um, that A, they can probably find this stuff out and figure out if you're lying. Um, and B, that they basically just want to know if there are things that you can be blackmailed with uh, into providing information to other people. And um, if anybody else is like me, uh, they started thinking immediately at that prospect of having to like, just sitting down in a room with somebody and describing what it is that you look at on the internet. So look, you're going to want to block out an hour here, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. I like to start slow, all right? Yeah, you know, I, I, I generally start off looking at some catalogs, maybe the, the swimwear section of like a Target. And then I like to bump it up one notch. You know, just hours, hours. That that's just your that's just your version of tantric masturbation. It's just like <laughs> <laughs> it takes you like six hours to even get your pants off. <laughs> that's right. You're, you're forty minutes into describing the process, and you're like, and then I undo the next <laughs> loop of my belt. Like, you're taking the whole belt off. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like to treat myself. <laughs> sure. Hey, uh, hey! Speaking of speaking of our country's intelligence agencies, hmm. Hmm. speaking of holes, Andrew. Yes. <laughs> speaking We've of holes, got some other. We usually love to talk about the other kind of holes on this show, yes. but today we're talking security holes. Actually, I tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a pause. Very on this. good segue, by Thank the way, you. Theo. We could have just gone the obvious ASIO thing, but you know. Well, no, let's... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pause this for a second because I think that we are about to leave another kind of hole, a major plot hole, by not addressing what that is that we played at the start of the show. <laughs> no, I think that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> let's move on from We've here. Completely like forgotten. We've completely forgotten. We've completely forgotten. And we, we, we just wanted to note um, Lucy's absence from the show this week. She is unable to record with us due to her um, many housemates in the place that she is staying in Hawaii currently throwing a sea shanty party <laughs> in which everybody comes around and gets very drunk and sings sea shanties. Oh, and I would like to stress very much that this is real. <laughs> it is absolutely a real thing. Um, so Lucy forwarded on a clip for us to play on the show in her absence that really captures what Lucy is all about and that is um, being Kim Cattrall in what looks like I guess maybe the the uh, mid to late 90s, probably mm. prime sex in the city sort of era, um, doing some kind of interview where she is describing her great relationship with her husband and showing off... Now, uh, ex, now ex-husband. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> showing off the great synchronicity that she shares with her now ex-husband by um, standing next to him while he plays an upright bass and then she does some, some jazz scat in Latin, apparently. Uh, which, you know... Oh, Splatten. <laughs> which, as I noted to the guys as soon as that was sent through, yes, this is how all marriages are kept together. Uh, it's how, how me and my wife like to end every day. We put the kids to bed. I break out the upright bass. We just scat about how things went that day. You know, if you've got some, some deep-seated issues that you need to work out with your partner, no better way to do it. 
I feel like through the medium of scat. The person that's on the double bass doesn't really have a chance to express their feelings. It's he's doing it through. Doing he's it expressing himself bass. through. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> he's expressing himself through the notes he's not playing. And those are the most important ones I've heard. Mm. You get your hands on that uh, polished teak, and uh, really, all starts to flow out. Is that what they really make? Start to speak through your soul. <laughs> Curious. Uh, if if you happen to be a double bass, an upright bass manufacturer, if you happen to hone any instruments yourself, hew them from various types of wood, please contact the show. Uh, I, uh, let us know. Yeah, if you'd like to sponsor the show with a double bass, <laughs> um, Andrew's address is. Oh, uh, please please write to Theo at buntavista.com mm. and tell him how wrong he was about what types of wood. A double oh, bass construction. This is Please, a, I love being told how wrong I am. Uh, this is a double bass related anecdote, not necessarily oh. about their construction. <laughs> uh, we had a, a family friend of ours passed away a little while ago, but uh, he, he ran, I believe at the time, it was Australia's only exclusively double bass shop, and he made double basses for a living. Like, that was his, his whole thing. And in how around long did 1998. Shop stay open for? <laughs> a pretty long time, until he passed away, basically. <laughs> wow. Uh in either 1988 or 1999, he had Lawrence Fishburne come in while The Matrix was being filmed and buy a double bass from him as a gift for Keanu Reeves. Huh. Incredible. Yeah. yeah just, they were like, oh, man, I need to get him something. Oh, there's a double bass shop. And I think Keanu Reeves is probably the only person on on the, like in the world that you can think of, like just him playing the double bass and just like nodding going, yeah, this is nice. Yeah. Like good, good for him. He's yep, he's just cool. having fun. Everyone else, total freak. Yeah, <laughs> perfectly normal for him to do it. Also, Keanu Reeves related anecdote: the uh, the like official IPA pronunciation guide for his name in his Wikipedia article has it as Keanu. Yeah, it's it's probably would it be either like Hawaiian or like Native American or something. That's uh, a very broad guess. I couldn't tell you. I didn't look well, that far. Like him and him and his brother had like extremely hippie parents, didn't they? Yeah. Why? Uh, oh, sorry, not his brother. I'm thinking of bloody River Phoenix, who is not his brother at all. Hmm. Hmm. Getting anyway, off track here, folks. Wait. Speaking of double basses, who remembers the Australian band The Living End? Remember how that guy would stand up on top of his double bass with his stupid uh, bowling shoes? Yeah, it was really cool. Super cool. It was really, really cool. My distinct memory of The Living End was that their big hit when they first came out, I've, I feel like I was probably like in high school or something, and their big hit was about like, uh, you know, shut up, teachers. Oh, Prisoner of Society. Prisoner of Society. We yeah. don't need no one to tell us what to do. Um, oh, yes. I talk We're back on our to own. my teachers, they say. Yeah. And I looked it up and they were like 30 when that song came out. <laughs> Mm. I, was like, I was I was like your teacher should not be telling you what to do. You're a 30-year-old man, Chris Cheney. Uh it, it oh, I can't I, whatever year that song came out, the primary school that I was at at the time there was like a talent contest at, just before the Christmas break every year and me and like two of my friends did ours we just mimed along to that song. That's it. There was no dance component. <laughs> it was just us singing it and I think one of us might have thrown a textbook dramatically during one of the lines of the song. 
Oh, what a, what a oh. wonderful thought. I was only 17. No, it's definitely <laughs> And I was in my last year of university. <laughs> and that was last year, and I won't oh. look back. When you did that come out? 1990. Oh, uh, so I was like eight. So I think I'm probably fine. What year did it come out? 98. Yeah, so I, I was in year 10. Oh, what 16. different lives we've led. Hmm. Speaking of holes. <laughs> nope. Speaking of holes, uh, Theo. Understand that Theo has taken on the, the heady task of trying to explain the massive, extended, amazing clusterfuck that took place this week as um, the, the Australian government tried to pass like an anti-encryption bill? Yeah, I mean, kind of. And that, that's sort of how we've known it, right? Um, where I think for quite a while now, we've been gearing ourselves up for the concept of an anti-encryption bill. Um, you know, where uh, even when, when Malcolm Turnbull was, was um, still prime minister, um, uh, he, was, he was talking about um, the, I guess, the genesis of this bill where, um, and that's where the sort of quote, um, where, you know, the, the laws of mathematics are all well and good, but, you know, it's the law of Australia that prevails in, in Australia, you know, all this kind of garbage. So everyone's sort of... Um, Take that them, mathematics. Yeah, that's right. And so everyone's like gearing up for this like two plus two equals five sort of battle to be like, you can't just break encryption and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, but what has come out is um, not that, um, I, I would say. So that's the, that's the first thing that I would say. This is not an anti-encryption bill where we've seen in like the UK uh, recently um, a telecoms bill uh, with the with the purpose of breaking encryption, right? Um, but, you know, as, as lots and lots of people have noted, you can't just break encryption via political will, right? It, well, and I also feel like it's very much in Australia's nature to just lazily say, oh, it's way too hard to break it's, it. It is, yeah. We, uh, you know... We tried for, like, two, three weeks. Yeah, we've got, you know, the, the guys down in IT, we've got Dave and Greg, and they've been working really hard on this, but, um, you know, um, Greg's long service leave's coming up. Um, and we just weren't able to swing it, right? Um, so this is not, not like an anti-encryption bill, basically, even though we've been talking about it. Um, it is an Assistance and Access Act, according to them. But what it basically is, is that we will look to change software or telecommunication systems um, to capture data that, that we can as... as as it comes through. Um, so instead of, you know, we're not going to, um, I, I don't believe that we'll be, you know, we certainly won't be breaking like AES encryption or whatever, right? So, so the, we won't be breaking encryption algorithms. Um, encryption systems or systems that use encryption like Messenger or WhatsApp or what have you, that's a bit, you know, that's a bit shadower, shadow, shadowier, but the where I think the, the, bulk of it will be is in stuff like we will put a thing on your phone that will take screenshots every 10 seconds right we will log your keys um all, all that sort of stuff so i think that's like that's important to frame that, that while we've kind of been talking about anti-encryption this is not anti-encryption right this is this is a spyware bill um and that's 
and that's all there is to it, I think, as far as that goes technically, right? We're not going to break AES. It's not going to break your um, your bank communications where we're talking to, you know, you've got your browser, it's open to NAB, it says it's got the NAB padlock and there's someone in between listening. I don't think that that sort of thing will happen. Uh, what will happen is worse in that everything will be broken as far if you're targeted by this bill because um, they will just do the easier things, which is just take your keys, take photos of your desktop, um, whatever we can do to get the documents that are on your desktop, all that kind of deal. So, all, mm. I was going to say, so, so yeah, a, a huge part of this is basically just about saying it's it's easier to just compel by law one of these companies to turn over your information. That's right. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and turn it over via a technical, uh, like a, uh, a feature in the software. Right, which is where the sort of three things that they come in talked about, where they've got um, a technical access request, which is for making requests of, of communication providers, which says, hey, can you help us out? Like, just anything you'd like to do, right? Um, a technical assistance notice, which means that they'll compel them to provide assistance um, if, if it's actually physically able to happen. And a capability notice, which is where they say, look, in the future, we want to be able to do this. Can you build it out for us? Um, the second two, um, I believe, have um, a golden rule that says you can't build in a systemic weakness or a backdoor, right? This is where we're talking about backdoors, where it's going to be like, well, you can jump in and get this um, if, you've got the, if you've got the key, right? Mm -hmm. um, but, it, but the bill fails to define what a systemic weakness is. Um, so it doesn't actually say. Um, and this is where sort of the uh, where the the um, everybody in IT, everyone in like the um, you know the privacy organisations, the EFF, Mozilla, and all this sort of stuff are going. Well, anything that you put in is a backdoor, right? Mm. Like if you can if you can put something into this and then get the information out, right? That's a backdoor. That's that's that, literally that is what, now a channel that that information can pass through. That's exactly right. Um, that like this is. Um, not this is where we've we've just run into like this totally other kind of impasse where they say, well, you know, what what you're describing is a backdoor and it can just get out of your hands, right? Like if you go, well, you know, we want to put this in this software, but you know, to do this, we need to roll it out to everybody or what have you. And but it's okay, we've got the password. Well, you know, this this shit's gotten away from the NSA. We've had like the WannaCry um, virus, which you know was based uh, allegedly on like an NSA backdoor, uh, which, you know, inflicted billions of dollars of damages to businesses and that sort of thing, right? Like, so if the NSA can't hold on to this stuff, we can't, right? Like, it's, it's, just, it's just that simple. We cannot build safe backdoors. We're very, very stupid. Um, but like the, um, the privacy groups are most concerned, I think, um, about the access request, which doesn't have those, those safeties in it where it's basically they just ask if the business on the other end is like some you know a, a, a sympathetic ear um and they go oh yeah yeah no no it sounds good to spy on these people they can just do whatever they want as far as i understand like there's very little around it to make them say well no like you know you could do whatever you want but not this it's, well, it's uh, like you just put it in and, and, and that's fine well and so much of the time i think in in terms of like businesses the sympathetic ear really comes down to you know do we want to just turn over some data on a customer who 
we'll potentially just never even know that we did it, or do we want to be on the wrong side of the government? Yeah, that's right, 100%. And I would imagine that the, that the choice is very easy for a lot of those people in that sense. I mean, yeah, it's the same way that, like, yeah, I don't know, do, do people really think that, like, Facebook isn't happily just turning over information to police when they ask for it, whenever they ask for it? Yeah, and and then it becomes sort of like this is where where I guess like the financial implications start to kind of get get nutted out where people go well no we won't go on Facebook Messenger right we'll go on WhatsApp and we'll go on an iPhone um, WhatsApp are not going to put as far as I understand politically they're not going to put a backdoor in their software for the Australian government and um, if the FBI can't compel Apple to turn over um, secure enclave details for the mass shooting in in um, in America that happened, you know what, three years ago or whatever that that was, right? Um, then the Australian government's not going to be able to do the same thing, right? So oh, what, I mean, what I become- think you're underestimating, you know, the the strong negotiating powers of Assistant Minister for Cybersecurity Gooch McGlock. <laughs> <laughs> um. Look, he's very busy at the moment, nutting out his fourth divorce. Um, <laughs> things aren't so good. Um, so, like, what what happens to these companies? Do they just not bother with the Australian market anymore? Um, already, like, if you go to the um, the privacy statement on on Apple's Australian website, the very last sentence, um, I believe, and look, I may be getting misled here. It's just a screenshot on Twitter, so apologies if I've if I'm very gullible. But is that that you know their their software will not contain backdoors for a particular market um and so so what what happens then like do these companies just disappear in australia it's very um very very shady like cisco again like cisco is a big communications player all of the backbone of you know our our networks and stuff work on cisco systems so if you want to target something in between you know the government may want to compel cisco to provide um this sort of backdoor but they won't do it They've but, already said that they won't do it. But I would have thought that if anybody was, I guess, more... Well, yeah, it's, it's tricky, isn't it? Because, like, a company like Facebook, they are, they are so ubiquitous and not particularly linked to, like, government services or anything. They're so ubiquitous that they can just say, fuck you, we're not putting it in. What are you going to do? And, it, you know, do, do we, does anybody really think that the Australian government is going to say, we're going to block access for Facebook to everyone inside Australia, like we're China, you know? That, that um, may be what they need to do to finally lose the boomer vote. <laughs> and, and the same thing <laughs> goes gonna, for like... Where am I going to get my pictures from? <laughs> my pictures. Um, yeah, so, so there's, there's companies like that and like Apple, same thing. You know, Apple Apple has the most liquid cash on the planet. You think they're gonna say, "Oh, we'd better better do better fuck up our whole operation for the Australian yeah, government for, for um, a place that's like smaller than some single cities in the world." But it does make me wonder if companies like you know the the IBM's and the Cisco's and the Microsofts and stuff like that that would have very extensive government contracts in Australia could could maybe you know, find themselves over a bit more of a barrel in the sense of saying, oh, well, you know, if we can't, if we can't count on you to hold up our security interests and stuff or help us out with some sort of solution in this area that we want, then we'll just have to start not renewing, you know, these. Mm. But, but again, it's the kind of thing that makes you go like, so what, what are, 
you know, are, are, is the Australian government going to like stop renewing contracts for like Microsoft Office and Outlook and stuff? In, yeah. Are they going to stop yeah, using Windows on every computer in the country that they have? Like, yeah, that, that's right. I mean, well, IBM, I don't really see as taking a huge stand because they may want some sort of, you know, punch card business for our camps or something like that. Um, but like, yeah, Cisco, like... And, and, it's it's just I don't think it's going to happen, right? And so like the first one that actually comes to court will be uh, pretty disastrous, I, I think. Um, but the la- last thing that like kind of on, on on that side of things that I think is important to note, I saw a lot of people throwing around, you know, that if you if you don't as a person if you don't comply with these demands, uh, you can face up to ten years jail time, right? Mm. Um, so what I saw this framed as is if and sorry, if you, my apologies, um, it, it's also against the law to, um, to say that you are doing it at the same time, right? To reveal that you are putting this in. Now, so a lot of people saying, well, that's not how software development works. Obviously, if someone approaches you within a company and you're the right person to do it, you can't just submit code, right? Because it goes through code review, it goes through QA and all this sort of stuff and it just can't, just can't happen in there. But this is where sort of this becomes... Where this is like everything in this build. There's just way too complicated. There's 200 pages. Nobody knows what's going on, and it's already law, right? So this particular one, the the thought is that well, an entity here is like a whole company, and a company may not be able to reveal to the companies that they deploy to, right? That they deploy their software to that there is a backdoor in it, placed there by you know uh, Australia's security agencies, right? That may be where the revealing comes from and what what like constitutes an entity so i don't i don't know whether they would ever push through this sort of concept that you as like you know a a junior developer is going to submit code for um you know australian security past you know your code review stuff and all that stuff it's more like if we're providing product we can't tell you that there's something fucked up in it um but like that that sort of comes comes into like the political kind of um, landscape of this where it is extremely complicated and it's just been rushed through immediately, breathlessly, uh, and just like, it's just been farcical, I think is the way to describe the political situation, right? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, where this has sort of come right at the very end of, of the um, of the year, this, this large and complicated bill, and um, then... We started to see stuff like, well, Labor, Labor went, well, you know, um, we're gonna like, we're gonna suck your dick on this one, but we're gonna <laughs> kind of pretend like we're not going to for a bit, um, and sort of just put it off and be like a bit withholding about it, um, and then immediately they were punished for this, right? Where Christopher Pine said, you know, Labor's chosen to allow terrorists and pedophiles to continue their evil work in order to con- engage in point scoring. Um, you know, that um, Scott Morrison claimed Bill Shorten is a threat to national security and then Labor's gone, oh, well, okay, we'll just give you everything that you want then. Yeah, because... And that was are... it. So, so there were a couple of bipartisan um, uh, alterations to the bill. But in the background, Labor started racking up a whole bunch of, um, of, of amendments to this and while everybody was yelling at labor in every medium that they are possibly available socially um labor was just going well no 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 we've got our amendments coming you know um tim watts online uh 
our everybody's woke favorite Tim Watts um, is going, no, no, wait, wait, wait till you see our amendments. They'll blow your balls open. Um, and how are your balls right now? My balls are still attached. Mm, completely intact. Too attached, but that's... that's <laughs> no need for us to get into that. My balls yeah. are clinging to my... They're <laughs> up inside my... <laughs> um, we're basically... Um, instead of waiting to debate the amendments and uh, not pass this um, extremely fucked piece of law that everybody admits is broken in, in Labour... Um, on the last day of sitting on Parliament, um, so that the amendments that are that are required, well, you know, they, they say that they're required. Obviously, the requirement here is just to not pass this bill, right? Because it's insane. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of doing that, um, what they did was uh, the exact opposite and passed it on the last day of sitting in um, in Parliament of the year with the little pinky promise at the end to say, well. You know, coalition are going to come back, and they might look at our amendments, um, which well, are required, which are mandatory. Um, but we'll we'll pass the bill anyway because, um, uh, yep, and that's it. Got to do what you got to do. Got to do what you got to do. Uh, I yeah. When when you read like the actual the the amendments of the thing that got passed through, they were like. Uh, you know, we will immediately pass this law and then we will immediately form a committee to review the law and provide recommendations on how to change it after reviewing it. And it's like, so the very first thing in the bill is like, oh, we need to come back and actually talk about what this is and make some changes to it. Look, Andrew, it's, it's just, it's is just the wild to me. To, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just wild to, to like write that into the thing. Yep. To basically just say, oh, we all know that this is not acceptable in its current form, so we, we will commit to immediately coming back and, and changing it. And and like you're saying, Theo, there's just the whole thing of of Labour, you know, putting up this whole this whole pretense of like, you guys are rushing this stuff through, it's not really great. And to still just turn around at the 11th hour and bend over and put it through because they have the same affliction that the that the democrats do in the states of they have they have been so thoroughly convinced for so long that anything to do with like national security and intelligence agencies and stuff has to be has to be seen as this completely bipartisan lockstep thing mm-hmm. but the problem is that that's not that's not the game that the conservatives are playing for the conservatives, it's about saying, let's constantly bump up these powers. Let's constantly, you know, expand the overreach of the surveillance state. Let's constantly give up more of people's privacy. Let's constantly make it easier for the police to go through all your stuff. But because it's a thing that comes forward in the guise of, well, this is about national security. Labor are just so completely unwilling to take the fight to them in any kind of way that says... We are interested in national security. We don't think that this actually provides that benefit that you're saying that it does. Absolutely. And the reason the reason that they passed this, right? So there are two reasons. Like one, as I saw, you know, some commentators say that um, hey, Labour wants to use this. Yeah, well, right that's when that's they true. when they get in, right? Which is like, you know, uh, depressing to think about. 
uh, I think that you know our uh, erosion of privacy is a bipartisan um, position, but really, really to me, what this is about, and you know, see if you disagree with me, but it, it's just about um, anything that could happen between now and uh, when Parliament resits next year. Um, anything at all, security-wise, that could happen, anything that the security agencies have up their sleeve, right? Mm-hmm. If that bill is not in, um, the Liberal Party can point at Labor and say, oh, look. You didn't give us the power. You didn't give us the power, right? Regardless of whether the, these bills, this bill would, would affect it or not. And when you look at the detail of the bill, right, there's what, what can they do? Who's going to do a security like update and, and work out how to pu- push this all out and all that sort of thing across the Christmas break? No one's even going to be at fucking work. Well, there's right? also, there's that. And like, if you look at a lot of the, the more recent sort of terror incidents in Australia, uh, th- this is something I was reading about a little while ago. We were, we were like at a McDonald's. So I was indulging in my practice of, um, shoving my kids into the playground and then hate reading the, the Daily Telegraph. <laughs> well, that just sounds so, like a lot of fun. I can see why you do that. Yeah. It's very wholesome. Um, my wife does the crossword and asks me clues and I laugh at like a Miranda Devine column or read the letters and take pictures of them because they're funny. And there, there was a whole like double page spread about, um, you know, how come... How come we have all these people on our terror watch list and everything? They're all like, you know, being watched by ASIO, but they haven't done anything about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so they were talking about like all the people who have been on like an ASIO watch list and then they've gone to go overseas and find out at the airport that their passport's been cancelled and they didn't know about it. Um, and, you know, the people like the, the guy from the incident in Melbourne recently, was it Melbourne? The guy with the shopping trolley man and everything. Mm, in Melbourne, yeah. Um, so that was in Melbourne and like the, the Martin Place guy in Sydney. Um, all of these people were on these government watch lists. All of these people were having their communications monitored and being checked in on frequently and all that sort of thing. In some cases, they had had their passports cancelled. But for the most part, when people say, oh, well, how come they hadn't been arrested? How come they hadn't, you know, had their citizenship stripped or whatever the reality is because none of these people have broken any laws Mm. they hadn't done anything it was purely a well he knows a guy who knows a guy who talked to a guy over the internet about terrorism or he had you know posted um you know he posted stuff on a forum he talked to people on the internet or whatever but all just things like ooh, they talked about stuff that we that we didn't like they looked at pictures that we weren't sure about but they haven't actually broken any laws so we can't do anything and, you know, so because it's the Herald Sun, the overarching thing was all these people should have already been locked up, you know, um, like, like they had this, like a big part of it was like them saying, oh, you know, there's these people who are on like ASIO watch lists and they've, they're allowed to have jobs. They went and they got jobs and nobody from ASIO got in touch with the place and said, did you know that we're, we're watching this person? And again, it's like, so you're telling me that every every person that, like, 
has ever tripped a red flag for a security agency if they go for a job interview that ASIO is meant to call them up and say, we think that there is some kind of slim outside possibility that at some point this person could orchestrate a terror attack. So don't hire them. Yeah, well, they haven't actually broken any laws. So they haven't actually done anything. They're like, and they, yeah, they don't get that if you want to do some sort of like criminal prosecution or any of these things, you, people need to have actually done something. So yeah. obviously that was the Herald Sun. Just, just sitting there and like watching Minority Report and nodding along going, yeah, no. Yeah. Just, <laughs> yeah. Good, good stuff. Well, so um, that was, two out that of was three, obviously their so angle. Pretty good. Yeah. Fantastic. It was obviously their angle, but... But again, like what a lot of other people take away from it is, if all of the all of the people who, in recent memory, have committed, a, you know, whether or not it was a lone wolf terror attack or a very mentally ill person committing an act of violence, whichever whichever way you're falling on those things, um, in all of these cases, these people were already known to Australian security agencies. They were already being monitored. Their communications were already being monitored. In some cases, they had already had their passports cancelled. So a lot of people are asking these questions of, if in the cases that these people were already known and being monitored, they were still unable to prevent whatever it was that these people went on to do, so what's the point in all the increased powers all the time? It's not as if the the cops are coming to us and saying, uh, well, if only, you know, we had have had access to his Facebook messages or whatever. Because for all we know, they, they did anyway. You know, there's there's no specific thing they're able to point to and say, if in this instance we had access to this information, we could have prevented this. Because in all these instances, they were known to these people and already monitoring their it, communications. And the other thing, I guess, is that, that um, it's never... It, they, they never say what this is measured against, right? So um, sec- um, terrorist incidents in Australia are a statistical blip, right? Like mm. they're a rounding error. And you're going to give, you know, billions of dollars towards um, Australia's security um, for, you know, to, to reduce the privacy of Australians, to, to do all this sort of stuff, to give them all these, all these powers that didn't exist before. And what's it being measured against, right? Like if we took that money and placed it elsewhere and, and we um, didn't do all this stuff to, to, you know, affect our privacy and all that kind of thing, you know, um, could we just invest it somewhere else, right? Like, could we just add more hospital beds um, and do all this sort of stuff instead of, you know, this fucking disaster that we're doing now? Well, even if you changed it into like a community outreach type thing, exactly. would there even be any measurable yeah. difference? That's exactly right. But no, what all they all they care about is, is that... Um, you know, criminals are criminals and they should be just in jail for life. You know, when, when you look at the Melbourne guy um, in the um, in the stabbing attack, right, they go, the, the right-wing papers were breathless. They're saying he was on bail when he was on Knife Rampage, right? Uh, and then you have to read, I had to open three separate articles to find out what he was on bail for. Uh, and he was on bail for a string of traffic incidents. Yeah, but they should have known. <laughs> you know, like, but that if you drive like an asshole, you're probably willing to stab a bunch of people. There's, there's absolutely no kind of, like you said, Andrew. Like, no one's connecting the dots as to say, well, what are you going to do? Like, what, what's going to change with this? Yeah, right? what, what would will you do be different? Yeah. Are you going to put everybody that speeds in jail? Like, is that the? Well, I think genuinely, people have this weird belief where people are either normal people or they're capital C criminals. Yes, with and the criminal gland. Yeah, once you find out they have the crime gland, you're like, well, off you go. 
It's never come out. Uh, prison is meant to punish you until you die. It's not for any sort of reform or anything like that. We'll just ship you off and then you're no longer a problem to society. Well, yeah, like speaking of, um, speaking of, you know, these, these things basically being a rounding error in terms of statistics, you know what I see way more reports of in the paper than I see uh, incidents of terrorism in Australia? It's stories in the news about a cop who got into the personal data of their ex or you know some neighbor that had wronged them or in plenty of cases like went in and found the address of a victim of domestic violence and sent it to their ex-partner like just all of these incidents where Mm. There are, there are all these authority of figures just constantly being caught abusing the access that they have to this information. And instead, the drive is just... It's never about having any kind of oversight or any kind of, you know, repercussions for these people. Because God knows they always do all their own internal investigations anyway. Well, that, yeah, that, that's one thing that I missed off of this that that's worth touching, touching on. Oh, is that yes, they've said the best part. There's no judicial oversight, but they don't need judicial oversight. Oh, I thought you were going to say that what I thought was the best part of the whole thing mm. is that um, they put in a special clause to say that this cannot be used to investigate a politician who is under suspicion oh, yes. of corruption. Yes, ab- absolutely. So, you, you cannot turn this weapon against us. Just everybody else in society uh, with, with no judicial oversight, what they do need apparently is some proof that it will be used to reveal a crime that that um, has more than three years jail time. Um, but funnily enough, again, with our last metadata, um, with our last security bill, which was the metadata um, bill that uh, you know, gives, gives access, the, the government, uh, security organizations access to our metadata, um, there are actually clauses in there for 10-year jail times for things like you know, harming Australia's economic interests. So if you can like swing anything along those lines, uh, you can be spied on, just not uh, crooked politicians. Yeah, because why would we need to know what they're doing? Mm. Um, yeah, and it, again, it just seemed like such a spectacular own goal for Labor to wind up just pushing this thing through. Yeah, while everybody yells at them from the sideline, like, what are you just doing? Stop it. Stop. Like, th- it just seems like they, they just... I don't know, like, from what I've read, this is kind of a similar thing that was happening in the UK for a long time, where they're just, they're they're so scared of just separating themselves from the conservatives on some of these things. They're they're really scared of, um, of like, just differentiating themselves on these fronts to any degree in case it goes poorly. Just in case any kind of wedge could be produced. Yeah, whereas, like like we're saying, you know, just imagine if there were a party in Australia that were willing to sort of just turn around and say, you know what, looking at all the advice that's coming through from, you know, any part of the technology industry, any consumer advocate and citizen advocate groups, um, like just lots of public figures, all these different people, we just can't see any benefit to doing this thing. It's been really rushed. We can see that, you know, they've totally skipped the whole part of the process where you're meant to see, you know, actually talk through what the point of this is and what's going to happen. And all we can see is potential negative benefits for negative benefits. All we can see is potential negatives for, for normal citizens. 
Um, so we're not going to support this thing unless we can be convinced that there is an actual purpose to doing it. But no, everybody voted for it except for Adam Bant and uh, Andrew Wilkie. So in the house. So yeah, it was also great to see. Um, cool to see a bunch of like Labor ministers like. Um, raising all of their doubts about it and concerns and saying, oh, this this seems like it's actually really poor, poorly thought out and not a great idea, and then going and voting for it. Also fantastic. So um, I, I think the quote that sort of summed it up was from uh, Labour MP Ed, Ed Husick, who said uh, in this thing, no minister is going to contradict what the security agencies want. Which is well, it's like, nice to know who runs the country. Though. Yeah, good, basically, good, good. like it's pretty pretty terrifying to just have politicians openly admitting. Um, you know, yep, whatever whatever happens, whatever they ask for, that's what they'll get. It's a, it's a two step process. They ask, and then we voted in. <sighs> so you know, that's great. Hmm. It's great stuff. So it's all going well, and of course, all of this happened. Like in unison with uh, with this whole push from the from Labor and the crossbench to get through um, a law saying that that the government would be obliged to to take like direction from um, from like medical professionals when being told that people need to be taken off like Manus and Nauru to get medical attention. So that was a whole complicated thing as well because they actually had the numbers to make that go through and yeah, force and like a big a s- embarrassing defeat for the government. There was a certain amount of jimmying to try and get the... because the it was pegged... Um, it's, it's very complicated, but like this was, this was pegged to occur after the vote for the, um, for the security bill, right? And so, like, there was a, a bit of intertwining to get the security bill passed first before they got to the um, the asylum seeker bill. Is that and correct, or am I? I well, I think so, but it was, it was honestly so much happening that it was it was hard to follow while it was at work. But um, but yeah, again, it, it seemed like the sort of thing where Labor were going to be able to sort of force a humiliating defeat on the government by forcing them to to sort of make a change to their own um, to their own laws around you know offshore processing and and taking people off Nauru and also forcing them to kind of back down and and have to go back and make some changes to this anti-encryption law and of course labor being labor they managed to just completely fuck the whole thing up at the 11th hour and pass the AA bill and knock back the changes for Nauru so but um but I mean it it was you could really see how much duress the government is under during all of this um Scott Morrison came out and gave a press conference which people were I think uh charitably describing as emotional and hysterical (laughs) Um, yeah for real people were just like oh (laughs) he seems to be freaking out and what the government was was basically putting out during that was they were saying we we will keep any and all options on the table to avoid passing this change um to avoid passing this change to the to the laws around Nauru and if that means just shutting down parliament 
and going home, we will do that. And that would have been the second time this year that they have been in such disarray and so unable to sort of have control of the house that they have just said, we're just going to suspend business for the day and leave. So not only have they, do they only have, what is it like? There's only like six sitting days scheduled for all of next year until the election. Is that the deal? It's like eight, I think, but it's a stupid idiot number. Well, it's, it's like, it's like eight days for the next six months, but by the time the election happens, which will be before those six months are up, then they will have only had like five or six sitting days. So it's just, like, obviously, you know, a lot of this is to do with now they've lost enough of their own uh, members in by-elections and people, um, people, uh, what's the, that's what I'm looking for. That's what I'm looking for when, uh, like when spies change sides, you know, what's the, come on, help me out here, boys. I have Defect. no idea what you're going Defected. for. Defected. Defected right. to the crossbench. <laughs> Thank you, Theo. We've got Brain a connection. Is- We're like, ah. Uh. Fire enough, yeah. Um, but yes, due to enough of their own people either losing in by-elections or defecting to the crossbench, there's, you know, it's it's so obvious that they're going to get obliterated at the election. It's not looking good. That there's a lot of people very openly canvassing whether or not they're going to run as liberals or as independents. People talking about potentially leaving the party before the election so they can do that. They're already a minority government basically any given thing that they put up and try and pass is at risk of being defeated by Labor getting enough members of the crossbench to vote against it. So due to Uh, their crippling fear of constantly having their own attempts to make laws uh, knocked down, they've decided to just stop doing anything. They've decided to schedule almost no sitting days and to just run out the clock. Which, Which like is... To me, that's the whole thing that just makes me go, just call an election then. Like, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not professing to be any kind of, like... Election law. I'm man. no doctor. I'm no doctor. But where, where is the point? Where is the point at which they just say, all right, we might as well just go and get our, get our pantsing? Because does anybody on the inside or the outside of, of this government think that it's going to get better over the course of another three or four months? Well, Andrew, look, I mean, it would take an absolute genius, I think, to uh, lose the election for Labour. Um, I'm comically tugging at my collar right now. (laughs) But if there was anyone that could do it, I believe in Billy Shorten. He he could do it yet. He's... uh, he has that that certain that certain something, I think that <laughs> spark that really that really pops and says, uh, "I'm going to trip over my dick at the last second and uh, hand over this election." So we shall see. Yeah, it's uh, that's that I think is the kind of dispiriting thing about it because <laughs> a lot of people's a lot of people's takeaway from last week, uh, like it was just the government absolutely coming off the rails and like being very very able to be just nailed to the wall on this and mm-hmm. somehow labor still winded come winded up coming it's out obscene. the other side they but- have never been given like anything on a bigger platter and then like at the moment the platter was placed in their hand they got distracted by a bird moving in the distance and just dropped everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and stepped on a roller skate <laughs> 
floor strewn with banana peels. Oh. Yeah, they just somehow did that, and it's it's terrifying to think like, yeah, it could just give them give them three months to just fuck it up for themselves. Look, an LMP election victory is truly a bipartisan issue. I think. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, we'll we'll see how it goes, I guess. But the only sort of comfort we can take is that um, it really does seem like week to week uh, this this government just goes further and further off a cliff. They, it seems like they're into, like, full, full survival mode. It's turning into, like, every man for himself type business. Um, there's, yeah, it's, it's just complete self-preservation mode at this point. Like I said, there's lots of people publicly canvassing the idea of leaving the party in, in the efforts to just save their own seat. Um, so then keep on that sweet, sweet government pension, baby. You know? Hmm. Uh, so, we'll see We'll see how that turns out. I just we, have um, one more question uh, ooh, yeah. about this. So, Theo, you obviously looked into this substantially more than Andrew and I did Uh and I, I found it all a bit confusing, so I was hoping there's one thing you could clarify for me. What is a computer? Hmm. Hmm. Um, it's, it's mostly rocks, chemically <laughs> speaking. <laughs> sure. Um, but we made, um, we made the rock think. Hmm. Ooh. But only what we tell it to. It's a real kind of um, Philip K. Dick situation. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I um we have just had my wife's um my wife's grandmother grandmother of the show uh Jess staying with us for a week and so she's 89 uh has had 1 million children and I I was putting on um like gardening australia or uh no it was better homes and gardens on youtube playing it off of youtube for her on the tv and I put the subtitles on but there were those auto-generated ones. Oh, yep. And I was trying to explain to this 89-year-old woman um, that it's artificial intelligence listening to the audio and transcribing it on the fly. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that it's not an actual transcription. It is just that the computer is listening to the audio and writing it out for you. I feel like you really could have, just with this instance specifically, Occam's raised it and just been like, it's making up random words because that's more <laughs> or less how it works. Yeah. Well, um, although she, uh, I learned a thing because um, she has hearing aids in both ears because she's very old and deaf um, and they've got fucking Bluetooth. She's like playing stuff on her phone. It's coming out of her hearing aids. What? Hmm. And I was like, of course. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't makes... you have them do that? Yeah. Huh. You're dynamite. She's sitting there watching videos on her phone. It's piping it straight into her brain. Uh, well, yeah. It's like, what a, what a world. What a world we live in, you know? What a time to be alive. Yeah. Great stuff. Hey, uh, we, were, we were having a chat on an episode recently. Recent uh, bonus episode of the show. Did you guys know that you can get bonus episodes every week? Every week. I every did, single I that, week. Yes. You did know that? Oh, good. Uh, we were talking about um, bags on trains. I can't remember how this came up. Oh, that was it. Um, uh, friend of the show, Pat, wife of the show, Pat, um, wrote in with his opinion 
that um, adults should not carry backpacks to work. And I believe we came down on the side of, well, that's that's nice in an ideal world, but if you gotta gotta carry too much shit too far, just starts sucking mm. on your mm-hmm. arms and your shoulders. But maybe uh, when you hop on the train, maybe just take, take it a off. giant backpack off. If you're on a tram, busy tram, take that thing off before I uh, kick it through your chest. Mm-hmm. For I kick you in the back, and it, mm. and it comes popping out of there like an alien chest burster, you know, because it's just a bad time. So, um, but but Andrew, I put it to you: if I'm hopping on the train and I'm um, sorry on the on the bus, let's say, right, and you've got that section mm-hmm. at the bus where you can only fit one and a half people, oh. and there's already one person there, and there's a bunch of free space behind it. But what I want to do is stand right next to that person with mm-hmm. my backpack on, with my backpack facing. Uh, towards the middle of the aisle. Um, what about me and the things that I want to do? Well, what you should do is mm-hmm. uh, is uh, turn around so mm-hmm. that you can see people coming down the aisle. Yep. And then as they come towards you, you can just take two or three shuffling steps backwards and not notice as you smush the back of your backpack into the face of the person <laughs> who's sitting down. Mm-hmm. Because as we all know, if you can't see it happening, like perception is reality. I've heard That's that. That's what I'm saying. Shadows on the cave wall. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> if you don't see it happening, did it ever really... A tree falls in the forest, but no one is there to hear it. Someone's face gets smushed with a backpack, but you were facing the other way. Did it really happen? The 1999 film, The Matrix, or the different year film, Existence. Existence? Existence. Yeah, one of the two. I'm not really sure. But the point is... Shout out David Cronenberg. If you've got one of those horrible mega nerd backpacks with your 50 laptops in it that protrude 70 centimetres out behind your back, don't even think about it. Don't even think of your substantially increased footprint area and also the fact that you can't tell that your back is grinding into someone's kidneys. Just don't even think about it. It's not your problem, bruh. Well, all I'm saying is that um, if you're, you know, if one person uh, was sitting down in a seat and they had a backpack crushing into their face, but the person wearing the backpack was facing the other direction, they couldn't feel it because, you know, it's not part of their body. Mm. It's more of a prosthesis at this point, a big old turtle shell. Uh, then all I'm saying to you is that, like, you know, different different perspectives. Those two people, their whole completely different individuals and they're having different experiences on this ride that we call life so you know just pretend it didn't happen so uh, a friend of the show Tim uh, posted this take from uh, from the Guardian from this week and we thought how convenient uh, it was what the classic, we break the story the classic the classic <laughs> Guardian the Guardian, Guardian opinion piece the headline being I was told off for wearing a backpack on a tram. Had I missed the memo of the latest no-no? <laughs> Bridget Delaney. Some things are now considered so wrong that strangers might call you out for doing them. That, that, that subheading is the, memo. is the most nonsensical thing in the world to me. Some things are now considered so wrong that you'll be told off by strangers for doing them. Have historically in the past, there have been no, thong, no things where a stranger would chide you? Hmm. Hey, can I, can I there used to be no line. Now there is yeah. a line. Can I shorten uh, that little that little lead there into four words? Uh, we live in a society. We do be living in a society. We live in a society. 
Yeah. Um, and there's this little little quote from the piece uh, of the person telling her off. You shouldn't be wearing your backpack on the tram. People can't get past you, the Tiska told me. She looked furious. I pretended not to understand English and kept the backpack on. That is like just at the unbelievable immensity of hubris in that is just like <laughs> the the person is saying something that makes so much sense. Like it's a very logical reason. And then she's dismissively described them as being a tisca for being like, well, no, that's that's a fair point. But then the insanity of just flat out blanking them. I'm just going to totally <laughs> pretend that I can't understand what this person. And she is also it, part the widest me, looking person alive. So part like, of me desperately hopes that 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 part of it is a joke. I don't I don't know if it is, but like the whole lead up to it in the piece is like, I kept hearing someone going behind me, derisively. And then finally, somebody tapped me on the shoulder and told me to fuck off with my stupid giant bag on the tram. Also, I love the concept of the article that it's like, um, oh, did I? Did nobody tell me that it was rude to wear my backpack on the tram except for this person that told me? Did, did you guys know that apparently we have this new thing where um, if you do things that are inconsiderate of others in public areas with limited personal space... People do not like it. Hmm. Uh, and like the, the wild the whole, new concept. Did I miss the memo thing? Uh, like all the replies to the tweet were people being like, they make announcements about it on the tram, <laughs> and also they had a poster campaign about that specifically. It's also common sense. Oh, so there's stimulus in the world, and I'm supposed to react to it now, Ben? Oh, <laughs> just fucking. Oh, I, I can clearly like. I feel like I empathise very strongly with where she's coming from because she has done something that is clearly a faux pas that made her feel like an asshole, but she's trying to retroactively position it so that she doesn't come off looking like a bad person. Like, oh, can you believe someone would do this to me? The the innocent party in this. But but the rest of the article is then listing off these things that apparently, to the author of the article, are brand new developments. <laughs> like, did you know... The people consider it rude if they are talking to you and telling you a story and you are scrolling through your phone the entire time. Is this... Was it written sarcastically? I can't tell. I can't tell what's real anymore. People are going to write in and be like, you fucking idiots, that wasn't it real. It was a huge joke. It was a huge... Well, I mean, let's let's be real, though. There, there is a real issue with that when it comes to uh, Guardian... Opinion is free. Oh, that's where the meme came from, right? Where you can just put literally anything on the Guardian opinion page using, like, you know, just edit the HTML and and it looks like it fits. Yeah, there is there is no sort of rhyme or reason as to whether or not something is written in like kind of tongue in cheek, or whether it's someone incredibly self seriously talking about, you know, some some absolutely wild microaggression that was committed against them by another person saying, please, madam, my nose is bleeding. Can you take off take off your gigantic backpack? Anyway, the point of the story is uh, take your goddamn backpack off when you're on a crowded public transport. The only people that ever got, like, any leeway from me with with that sort of thing was, like... Or, or at least... Uh, I know, like, not... The, the only people where I was ever like, I understand why this is happening, was just school kids. 
school kids get onto a crowded tram and they got their bag on shit. And nobody's going to tell them to take their backpacks off because school kids on trams are terrifying. terrifying. (laughs) Well, it's more, I mean, from my perspective, it's more that I think we all understand that like 14 and 15 year olds are huge idiots with no awareness of anything that's going on around them, you know? They don't need no one to tell them what to do. Oh, oh they're on wow. their own, and the rest of the nice lyrics. loop back. Yep. That's the show. <laughs> hey, uh, my my wife was watching something on TV, and there was like a a local news story that was like about like you know one of those like local choirs, but where people get together and sing fun songs instead of that dreary old church shit, you know, and um, it 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 had like a uh, rock quiz kind of vibe to it. Um, Some place where they like rent out a they rent out a hall. It might have been in Brisbane. They rent out like a a hall, and all these people come along and sing whatever the fuck thing they've been told to memorize. And they were doing a song, and I was like, "Is that the living end?" And they were singing that very song. They were singing whatever song uh, one of one of like the living ends two hits. And I was like, man, I wonder what um, wonder what the Living End are up to these days. And the very next shot was Chris Cheney, singer for the Living End, playing guitar and leading this choir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just a shot of him going, oh yeah, they asked me to come down. It was nice. And I was just like, so that's what Chris Cheney is doing. He's hanging out in a uh, concert hall with a bunch of forty-five-year-old women singing uh, one of his songs, and he's still wearing eyeliner and a flat cap for some reason. Folks, you can get yourself an extra bonus episode of the show every week for only five US dollars a month, 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 month. Uh, head on over to patreon.com forward slash Bunta Vista. That'll also get you access to our, to our Discord. We have a very own Discord server. You can log on and while away the entire working day, siphoning money away from your boss um, and just channeling all of your productivity into arguing with um, other fans of the show online. And posting photoshopped images of me in a bath. Yeah. Yeah, you look great, by the way. Uh, also, Thank you. just a follow-up, I've looked at all of her Twitter replies, and she is completely serious. <laughs> <laughs> you can wear a backpack and not hurt anyone. You just stand still. That's no, not the problem. That's not- no. And then someone else is like, I'm with you there. If it's super crowded and you're standing, removing it and finding a place to plonk it on the floor can be tricky. You just put it between your feet. It's not hard. And she replies, it's nature's saying, yes, backpack. Place. That's what I'm trying to say. She also, well, also argues that it's good for like Oh fucking there was something else here as well. But this is just Perhaps perhaps like uh, you know, maybe you could think about what you're doing before you're like balls deep in doing it. You know what I mean? Like maybe Maybe if you're standing with a whole bunch of people all waiting to try and pile onto a tram in rush hour, as happens in the city in Melbourne, maybe you could, like, take the bag off before you're getting into the tram because I put it to her that the logic there is extremely flawed. You can wear a backpack and not hurt anyone as long as you're standing still. How the fuck did you get into the middle of the tram? Mm Mm-hmm. 
sorry, but you wore that thing as you pushed all the way through and you clocked a bunch of people's heads on the way past and you shoved people out of the way. Also, it's it well known that when you stand shit. still, um, matter can just phase through you. As long yes. as you're standing still, everyone else well, can yeah, just... Well, yeah, it like... gives people time to line up their particles so they be- go between the gaps of your particles. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Oh, you just know she's doing that shit where, like, you're just standing in the aisle and holding onto one of the one of the poles and like looking out the windows which means that your body is taking up half of the aisle and your backpacking is taking up the other half and people just cannot get by i i just i turned into a real prick about that kind of stuff before i moved out of that city i just started like walking through as though the backpack wasn't there you were phasing through them well yeah except with your shoulder i'm not small um, not, Nothing wrong with that, though. Not a small person, so... <laughs> you want to be a small person? So, it means that if a backpack is attached to a small person, you can just walk as though it's not there, and the person will just be carried out of your way. And if they look at you as though something uh, untoward has happened, uh, you could just motion towards their backpack and go, take off your fucking backpack. I can't wait for next episode to be just four hours of backpack on the tram talk. Back chat. If we get, if I swear to God, if anyone replies to this being like, actually, it's better to keep it on, we will dedicate an entire episode to talking about how that person is a fuckwit. Just that is your punishment. You. We will all block you on Twitter. You will be- You'll be excommunicated in as far as we can. You are done. You're dead to us. And on that note, oh, uh, Crime Pass for this week, the Bunta Vista Crime Pass, is that, um, yeah, if, if anybody is wearing a backpack on your trouted tram... Cut the tram, straps off. Yes, you can carry a large pair of scissors or perhaps a Stanley knife and you just just lop it off at the top of the straps. It was really and good. Hurl uh, it out of the window. Hurl like, it out of the window of the moving tram. The big, heavy-duty, really sharp fabric-cutting scissors. Yeah. Just a pair of those mm. and just boop, boop, both straps, falls to the floor, you keep walking. Peace. Yep. If you got to go through a ponytail like with the one movement, go for it. <laughs> I was also I was also thinking like it's coming into Christmas, um, and on the left our uh, war on Christmas um, oh, yeah. conscriptions are starting up. Yep. Um, but if you don't feel like participating this year, um, and you want to be a conscientious objector, I think that's okay. You get it. You get a a pass from me because you don't have to. You don't have to be involved in the war on Christmas every. But year. you do we have just, to support we just the appreciate. troops. That's right. Well, you could buy War on Christmas bonds. <laughs> there, there are many. That's right. There are many ways to support the War on Christmas yeah. that isn't just showing up to a shopping mall and saying, "Well, uh, you know, this is all capitalism," um, and just like shouting in a kid's face to say, "Like, you know, how do you enjoy the taste of um, boot and all that sort of thing?" You don't. Mm. You don't have to do that. You can support it through other means. Yeah, let me put it this way. Um, you don't have to support the war on Christmas, but you do have to support the Antifa super soldiers. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. That, that goes without saying. Yeah. All right, folks. So on that note, um, we will see you next week. Thank you for your time. Catch you on the flip side. Mm. Oh, I forgot that Theo wanted to be played out with a special song. Mm. Um, because, as we all know, once these laws have been passed, the government is going to know your business. See you next week, folks. All up in your shit. (laughs) Bye.
government knows when you masturbate. The government knows when you masturbate. The government knows when you feel alone and it's getting late and you're sitting at home. Looking straight through your webcam, looking at you as Uncle Sam. Look him in the eyes with your balls in your hand and stick it to the f***ing bed. Stare at the screen when you unpack. The government is staring back. This is how they know you best with a dick in your right and a mouse in your left. No more interest in the Middle East, so they look at you while you touch your meat. In the middle of a truce, they put the equipment to the use. Why you think you pay the tax for drugs and spies, computer hacks? Tax has gone through the roof, at least it's put to good use. The government knows. The government knows. The government knows when you masturbate. The government knows when you're whacking it. The government knows when you feel alone and it's getting late and you're sitting at home. They fill the sky full of drones to check on you and your bone. Size don't matter to the CIA, they can see your dick from outer space.